And turn with me to Daniel chapter 1 this morning. Daniel chapter 1. About the time you think that uh, you've got it tough and you've got it hard, uh, what you need to do is go to Scripture and read about some of the things that some of God's people had to go through. And uh, <clears throat> Daniel is one of those characters who went through just terrible, terrible uh, times, uh, ended up in captivity by Babylon. Not only, not only was Judah under captivity, but, but the, the individuals, many of them ended up going into that strange land uh, with their strange gods and everything going on. And, and he was a young boy. Uh, he was probably in his mid-teenage years. And, uh, and yet he stood steadfast. And, uh, and it's a re- his, his life has just been a real encouragement and a real help to me. Let's all stand together, if you would. And Daniel chapter 1, we'll read the first eight verses. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, allow them to look on with you. Verse 1 says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and, and, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto, unto Daniel the name of Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach, and to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, as we come to your word this morning, help us to come with an open heart, with a submissive heart, with a hungry heart, uh, anxious to hear from our God. And Lord, uh, we're going to be looking this morning at, at Daniel and how he purposed in his heart uh, not to defile himself. And he purposed in his heart to serve his God and to stay true. And that's the kind of tenacity and that's the kind of determination that we need to have today when things are changing all around us. God, help us to make some purposes in our hearts 
that regardless of the atmosphere, regardless of, of uh, the, uh, the condition of others around us, we'll stand steadfast, we'll stand unmovable, we'll stand always abounding in the work of the Lord because we purposed in our hearts. We pray, Father, that you would just guide and direct and bless this time. God, I need you for this message. I need, I need your power. I need your strength. I need your wisdom. Uh, I need you to clear my thoughts. I pray, Father, that you do that. And then, Lord, give us all ears to hear as you speak to us. God, may we say yes to the Spirit of God, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated. I want to preach this morning on the, on the importance of a purposed heart. Judah had been warned continually over and over again about, about her immorality, her idolatry, uh, the poor treatment that she, that she gave of people that were in need. Does it kind of sound like, like something you're familiar with? It kind of sounds like our nation today. Uh, God, God used the Babylonians to go down and to take them in, into captivity. And he used the Babylonians as a chastening rod for, for Judah. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who was, who was king at the time, had, had burned the temple. He took the furnishings. He used them in, in his pagan temple. He desecrated the things of God. And uh, uh, later, however, and you see this throughout Scripture, this is a pattern. Uh, later, God raised up the Medes and the Persians to attack and conquer Babylon. So even though God, God moved and strengthened Babylon to be the chastening rod for Judah, you don't want to be the chastening rod for the Jews. You don't want to be the chastening rod for Israel because, uh, because it eventually it'll come back on you. And uh, there's, a, there's a promise that God made, I'll bless them that bless you and curse them that curseth you. And, uh, and he has fulfilled that promise over and over and over again, even in cases like this. When Babylon conquered a nation, the king would always choose the cream of the crop to bring back to his land and to serve in his government or serve as his servants. And, and the Jews were, were, that were sent to Babylon were sent there both before and after the fall of Jerusalem. And the ones that were, some of the ones that were taken were, were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And they went somewhere around between 607 and 605 B.C., and those guys were probably within the ages of 15, 16, mid-teens. Um, they were part of a faithful remnant. And one thing that you see throughout history, not just in Israel, but you see it just across, across the span of the ages, uh, that, that God always has a faithful remnant. He always has a group that uh, will not bend and will not bow. And these guys were part of that remnant. Uh, the majority of God's people in, in Judah at that time and in Israel uh, didn't love God. They didn't obey God. They, they didn't heed the warnings that the prophets had given them over and over and over again. But God had his remnant. 
And just like he had his remnant then, I really believe with all my heart that God has got a remnant today. You know what? I want to be a part of that remnant. <laughs> I hope you do too. I hope you've got a desire to be a part of the remnant. Our, our nation is slipping faster than I've ever seen. And I'm, I'm not you know, here to make it gloomy uh, or, or despondent. They're just the opposite. Uh, regardless of where others go, you and I just need to determine in our hearts that we're going to serve the Lord, that we're going to stay true, that we're going to stay faithful. And uh, yeah, we may stumble and fall along the way, but uh, our desire and our purpose in our heart uh, ought to be to serve God. And, and, and God not only always has a remnant, but he's always looking for a remnant, and he's looking for those that he can use. Now, in verses 4 through 7, if you look with me down in chapter 1 again, it says, Children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding, science, and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might, might teach the, the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now, among these were the children of Judah, uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the, the eunuchs gave names. For he gave unto Daniel the name of Bel Belshazzar, and uh, to uh, Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael of Meshach and to Azariah of Abednego. Now, what this describes is the fact that these guys were, were put to the test. They were given new names. They were given heathen names. And we'll take a look at those in, in just a minute. But uh, they, were also, they were also put to the king's table, which means there was food there that the king ate. He was a Gentile king. But the Jews were under strict dietary rules and regulations. And uh, so they were, they were severely tested. They were brought into a heathen land. They were, they were given heathen names. <laughs> they were given uh, food that was, was uh, uh, common for the heathen and not common for the Jews. And just their, the, the whole culture just went against what they were used to. Uh, and, and yet these, these men were, these boys actually, they were young men, they were they're honored and they were chosen to be trained for positions as, as servants and officers for the king. And uh, in the end of verse, verse 4, it says, whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Now, this is this is is what they wanted to do. They wanted to conform them. They wanted to train them. They wanted to train them in their ways. They wanted them to think like Babylonians. Uh, folks, I have never seen pressure in my, my lifetime like I'm seeing right now for God's people to change the way they think and think like the world. Um, you know, speech is being cut off. That whole idea of freedom of speech is is uh, being attacked. 
just one thing after another after another in our society. And I, I know the, where the pressure goes. The pressure goes on you. Pressure goes on me. Pressure goes on us as individuals. The majority of people today will conform. I was talking to a fellow yesterday who teaches in a public school. And he said uh, he, he teaches government. And he was teaching his, his it was teenagers and uh, high school age. And uh, he was teaching them about, about uh, the fact that, uh, you know, you've, right now, he says, you've got, you've got uh, folks that are told that they can speak freely, but other groups are told they cannot speak freely because, because of other people's beliefs. They think that those things that they would speak would be dangerous. Is this right? And he said, every kid in his class said, absolutely. Shut them up. <laughs> that wouldn't have happened back 20, 30 years ago. You wouldn't have gotten that kind of response. What's happening? People are crumbling to the pressure. People are crumbling to the pressure. And that was the kind of pressure that, that these, these four guys had upon, upon them. Uh, they were to be trained to think and to act like Babylonians. They, they were given new names, they were given new customs, they were given new ideas, they were given new language. They were given a new diet. Daniel's name meant God is my judge. The name Belteshazzar that the king gave him means Bel, protect my life. Bel was a false god. Uh, Hananiah meant the Lord shows grace. I like that. That's a good name. Shadrach it was the name that he was given, and that meant command of Aku. Aku was the, the moon god. Um, Mishael uh, means who is like God. And of course, we know who he's talking about. He's talking about Jehovah. Uh, Meshach, which is the name he was given, means who is as Aku, which is, again, the false god, the moon god. Then Azariah, his name meant, meant uh, the Lord is my help. Abednego, which is the name he was given, means servant or worshiper of Nebo. Nebo is a god of science and the god of learning in the Babylonian culture. Um, what, what they were doing was they were trying to get them to conform. And they put all kinds of pressure on them to do that. And again, this process is going on today. And I, I'm seeing it with more fervor today than ever before. And all that simply means is we have to be more purposed than we've ever been. We cannot, we cannot be lulled to sleep today. Uh, with, with COVID and, and, and things being pulled back and so forth, there is a real tendency, I think, on our part as God's people to start to get a little lax, to start to get a little, little lazy uh, in, in the things that we do and the vigilance that we show. Uh, we need to be vigilant and we need, we need to determine more than ever before to stand for that which is right. Uh, Daniel and his three friends were, 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 they tried to make them conformed. But in response, what they did on the inside was they made sure that they were transformed. 
a fellow by the name of Mel Sabaka, who was a, a, a preacher that I met early in my Christian life, uh, he, he, he made the comment, and it's never, it's never left me. He said, you know, when it comes to training kids, he says, we make uh, a real error as Christian parents sometimes. He said, because we isolate our kids. He said, they don't need to be isolated. He says, they need to be insulated. <laughs> now, that's good. That's good. In other words, they need to be transformed on the inside so that they won't conform on the outside. Um, these, these men were wholly given to their God, these four guys were. And they feared the Lord and they loved the Lord. And they purposed some things. And Daniel in particular, who we were reading about this morning, uh, purposed some things in their heart. To purpose just simply means to make a, a, a resolve, uh, to make a determination on some end or object to be accomplished. Um, when, when, I think of, when I think of purpose, I often think of, of the last verse in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The idea is, is that you're purposed, that you're, you're not going to move. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46. In Isaiah 46, look with me first at the, the first two verses. It says, Bel boweth down, Nebo stoopeth. Their idols were upon the beasts and upon the, the cattle. Your carriages were heavy laden. They are a burden to the weary host. That Bel and Nebo are the, the gods that we just spoke about in Babylon that they worship. They stooped, they bowed down together. They could not deliver the burden, but themselves are gone into captivity. Now, drop down to verses uh, 9, 10, and 11. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country, yea, I have spoken it, I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, I will also do it. And that's God speaking, and he says, listen, what I purpose to do, I do. And that's the definition of a purpose, is making a determination, making a resolution in your heart of, of what you will and won't do. Uh, we're talking this morning about, about Daniel, but, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did the same thing. They, they purposed in their hearts. And the purpose that, that, that they purposed in their hearts was they wouldn't bend and they wouldn't bow to false idols. And uh, so when the, the music was played and they were expected to bow, I, I don't know exactly where they were at the time, but if they were in a crowd, there were three guys that were standing up and everybody else was face down on the ground. 
And those three fellas said they would not bend and they would not bow. They ended up going into the fiery furnace. You know the rest of the story. Uh, there was a fourth one that, that showed up and it was, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was uh, like unto the Son of God. Uh, how, you say, how in the world did he, the king, know that that was the Son of God in there? In fact, some, some other versions of the scripture uh, take and change that. Uh, it's because God showed it to him <laughs> that, that that's who it was. And uh, it, it's, it's significant for us to understand that, you know, no matter what God puts you through, if you're saved, he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, and he never left or forsook those guys. But they, the reason why they stood firm, the reason why we have that story, we tell it to our kids, and, you know, we, we, we glory in their dedication is simply because they purposed in their heart at one time of what they would do for God. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. He wouldn't defile himself of the king's meat. And there's three things that entail that, that, that purposing. Number one, he purposed in his heart before he was tested. He didn't wait until the, until the, the pressure came. He decided when the pressure was not on yet, but he saw it coming. He said, listen, I, I know what I'm going to do, and I know what I'm not going to do. And, you know, he, he could have made all kinds of excuses. He could have even rationalized. He could have said, look, we're, we're captives, and so we're, you know, we're just forced to obey. Um, you know, they could say, he could have said that they, they weren't responsible for, for the judgment. Uh, they were the ones that did right. Uh, they're suffering for their fathers. And so it's not my fault. So why should I, why should I have to be put to uh, this kind of, of pressure and uh, injustice? Uh, he could have said this, and, and this, is, this is the one that I am fearful of for American Christians. Is he, could have, he could have said, well, you can't win. If you can't win them, let's just peacefully coexist with them and not cause any ripples. And that's what I'm seeing happening right now with a lot of, a lot of saved folks. We've got to be careful of, of that kind of attitude. You, folks, you can't, find, you can't find anyone winning someone over to God's side by being like the godless. Uh, you, you know, when, when, uh, when Paul said, uh, I'm all things to all men that I might by all means save some, he wasn't talking about being a drunk to win a drunk. He wasn't talking about being ungodly to win the ungodly. Not, not at all. He was just saying, listen, I need to get down on their level. I need to understand where they're coming from and try to lead them to Christ. That's what he was talking about. But he wasn't talking about, about uh, slipping and sliding on his beliefs and slipping and sliding on his determinations. Uh, Daniel was purposed, and he was purposed in his heart. It wasn't just an outward thing. It was first and foremost an inward thing. And it's got to start there. It's got to start there. It's got to start in your heart. And, and uh, you know, even later on, he, he purposed to pray when he was told not to. There's a king's decree. And, uh, and I'm not saying, you know, we'll never, we'll never close the, 
the church services uh, like we did before. But I'm, I'm not going to be real quick to do so. I'm just not. I'm just telling you. Uh, you know, you say, well, I don't think I, I would. I think I'd stay home. Fine, you do what you got to do. But uh, uh, I, I, I struggle every time that uh, we, we cancel service. And obviously, if, I'm, if it's going to put people in danger, we're not going to have services, okay? That's not the point. The point is, when they ring the bell, will you get down on your knees? When they ring the bell, will you become subservient immediately? Or will you stand and say, wait a minute, there's some things I believe, there's some things that don't violate those beliefs, there's some things that do violate those beliefs. And we need to purpose in our heart now, long before the test ever comes, that, uh, that we're going to do that which is right. I believe, you know, when, when, uh, when Daniel was told that he couldn't make a petition without first going to the king, it meant to God as well. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that. And what he could have done was he could have, and I, I think this is important for us to, <laughs> to learn from, he could have, he could have just closed the, the windows and closed all his doors. And when he got down and prayed later on, uh, when he got down and prayed, he could have done it so that nobody knew what he was doing. He didn't do that. He opened the windows. He let everybody come by. And if they wanted to poke their nose in there and see that he was praying without getting the king's permission, he didn't, he didn't care. Now, I don't believe his attitude was on like this. It was like, look, this is what I've been doing. I purposed in my heart to do it. I'm going to continue to do it, regardless of, of what the government says and what, what the authorities say, because it goes against my God. The second thing he did, he's not only purposed in his heart before he was tested, but his, his purpose heart caused him to do something, caused him to act. Look at verse, uh, look at verse 8 again. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He had a plan. He said, look, I'm, I'm not going to do it, but I'm not going to be a jerk about it. I'm going to go make an appeal. I'm, I'm, and if it's, if it's taken, fine. If it isn't taken, well, that's fine, too. But I'm still not going to defile myself. But, uh, but he, he, he acted, he did something because of what he believed, and he did something because of what he purposed. He, he uh, made a request, and he, he was willing to sacrifice. Listen, which would you rather have? Would you rather have, would you rather have pork, uh, stuffed pork chops, or would you rather have beans and water? <laughs> I mean, which would you rather eat? Just, just old beans and water, lentils and water, that was it. Uh, he, had, he had, listen, I, I believe on that king's table was lobster. It, there was, there was uh, all kinds of things that God had said beforehand, don't defile yourself for that meat, don't eat it. And he not only did not eat it, but he was willing to, to eat and drink things that were really inferior as far as not of not of the same quality as the stuff that was on the on the king's table and uh, he continued to to be willing to sacrifice and he continued to pray and which we already talked about in chapter six and he and he did so in an in an open fashion uh 
third thing was when it came to purposing in his heart, he was willing to be proved. If you look down in verse 12, he says, prove thy servants. After he gives the plan to Melzar, he says, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days and give them, uh, give, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to, uh, water to drink. He's saying, listen, prove us. Check us out. Let us go 10 days. And uh, if we're not better off, then do what you got to do. But if we are better off, then, then pay attention to that thing. And, and he asked them to, to uh, uh, you know, again, they were asking Daniel to defile himself. And, and uh, he said, no, I'll not defile myself. Later on, he was asked not to pray without first going to the king. And he says, no, I won't do that. Why? Because I've made a purpose in my heart. I think this idea of, of purpose in your heart encompasses a whole bunch of different things. Um, I, I have watched since last March, I have watched God's people get gripped with fear and let fear determine their life. Uh, there's only one fear that ought to determine your life and that ought to determine my life. That's the fear of the Lord. You know, we heard uh, in a message here, I believe it was last week, uh, it was uh, the fear of man bringeth a snare. You know how often? Every single time. Every time. And the reason why we succumb to the fear of man rather than succumb to the fear of God is because we just haven't purposed some things in our heart. Now, I'm going to give you five things that, that needs to be a purpose in every one of our hearts. And uh, there are more than five things. Okay, God, maybe there may be something going on in your life right now. Maybe something at work. Maybe it's something in the home. Maybe it's something just in your personal life. Maybe something with your friends. I don't know. But, but there's an, an, an area where you are being pressured to compromise. You are being pressured to give in. The Bible tells us, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed on the inside by the renewing of your minds. And, uh, uh, you know, there may, be, there may be some issues that, that God is dealing with you about. Uh, you need to purpose in your heart and determine where does God stand on this thing? And what, what does God require of me first and foremost? And that's the thing I'll do. But I'm going to give you five just real simple things that every one of us can purpose in our hearts and we can do it today. And, and we should make this purpose. If we do this, can I tell you, the people that are doing these five things are the remnant in America. The people that, that, are, that are doing these things that I'm about to, to, to give you are, are part of the remnant. And they're simple things. They're things you already know. Number one, read God's word daily. Spend time in the book. Get what you need for now. Get what you need for later. Uh, not all that you get out of this book is going to be for today. It might be for tomorrow. It might be for a, a month or a year down the road. But spend time in the book. And, you know, I, I've covered this on Wednesday nights, but it, it bears to be reiterated. We need to have our thought processes cleaned out. 
Uh, we're constantly getting bombarded by the world's philosophies and the world's ideas. And no matter how careful you are with the, with the media and the stuff that comes in uh, and comes across your plate, uh, you're, you're, you're going to get bombarded. It's, it's all around us. It's all around us. And they so desperately want us to conform to them. And God says, no, I don't want you to conform. I want you to transform. How do you do that? Well, you get God's word in you and you start thinking different. You start thinking like God thinks. And, and you start uh, putting, putting those thoughts into your heart and mind. Second thing we need to do is spend time in prayer daily. God works through prayer. And, and, and prayer, prayer is to our spiritual life uh, like what breathing is to our physical life. If, if I were to, to cut off uh, your oxygen, uh, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't live very long. You'd, you'd be soon be dead. Uh, as Christians, when we cut off our prayer life, uh, we soon become very ineffective for God. And we, we gasp for air in our Christian life. Why? Because prayer is essential. You know, uh, just those first two things, if you think about it, when it comes to any personal relationship with somebody, it depends really on two things. It depends on you talking to them and then them talking to you and you listening. And, you know, when we talk to God, he listens. And when he talks to us, hopefully when you're reading your Bible, uh, you're listening to him too. But that's how, that's how a relationship is established. And uh, in order for us to have a personal relationship, and, and that's what Christianity is all about. When I, when I trusted Christ as Savior back in uh, 1969, I, I believed on him. I realized I was a sinner on my way to hell. I realized that, you know, the, the thoughts that I had about about salvation were that if I was a good person, I'd make it. If I wasn't a good person, I wouldn't. Well, you know, the question then is, well, then how good is good enough and how bad is bad enough? And, uh, and nobody, of course, can, can give you the answer to that question. Well, that's not the criteria. The criteria is, what have you done with Jesus? Have you believed on Jesus Christ and his death, his burial, and his resurrection? And, and him alone for the forgiveness of your sins. And, uh, and I trusted Christ as my savior. And we often use the term, and I think sometimes we don't stop and think about it when we use this term. We say, trust Christ as your, what kind of savior? Personal, personal savior. You know why? Because he's a personal God. And in order to, one thing I'll tell you that, that I, I say without hesitation, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, all four of those guys had a personal relationship with their God. And they, they were personal. And yet they didn't have church services like we have church services. They didn't have a Bible like we have a Bible. Uh, they didn't get the kind of encouragement like we can get readily today. They didn't have any of those things. And yet they, they stood fast. They didn't bend, they didn't bow. Why? Because they purposed some things in their hearts. So read God's word daily. Purpose to pray daily. Purpose to be a witness. 
in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, one of the first things that, uh, that they were told was to, to uh, go on out and to, to witness in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Um, we need the purpose to be a witness. I, I know, uh, you know, we haven't been able to go door to door. We haven't been able to do a lot of things. We've, I, I didn't say this this morning, but I, I do need to let you know, we are not having, we're not having a beast feast this year. Um, it just, I just don't believe it's a wise thing to do right now. However, uh, you know what? We're still commanded to witness. We're still commanded to be a testimony. We're still commanded to tell other people about Jesus Christ. And you say, well, you know, I, I, I'm not very good. I'm not very good at, at uh, knowing a whole bunch of scripture to give people. You don't have to do that. Just tell other folks what Jesus Christ did for you. Did he save you? Yeah, he did. Okay, tell them. <laughs> tell them. Tell them that he saved you. Tell them what you had to understand and what you had to believe in order for, for you to get saved. Um, you know, it's and it's and witnessing. Not, I, again, I'm not against any of this stuff. I'm not against passing out tracts. I'm not against, I'm not against inviting people to church. We ought to be doing that. We ought to be doing that more. But witnessing is different from that. It's opening our mouths and telling them about Jesus Christ, not just giving them a pamphlet and hoping they read it, not just giving them an invitation and hoping they come to church. It's putting our own lives out there and saying, listen, Christ has done something for me. He saved my soul and you need to hear about it because he's done wonderful things for me. He's saved my soul and given me a life to live. I want him to do something wonderful for you and, and be a witness. The fourth thing we need to purpose in our heart is to attend church and to do so faithfully. Um, it's really bothered me to watch our church attendance drop like it has. Um, I, I, and I understand in some cases... It, People don't have a choice. I understand that. But in other cases, people do have a choice. And they're, they're, still, they're, still, not, they're still not responding. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but you know, that's, I, I, have, I have struggled with that. And, I, it, it, and I, I'm not mad, I'm not angry, but I know that people cannot live for God like they should if they don't come to church. And I see, I see Sunday night falling off. I see Wednesday night falling off. Um, it's, it's not good. And, uh, and it's, it's going to hurt us as a congregation. It's going to hurt you as an individual. Um, you, you know, and I was told this years ago, and I, and I like the thought. You know what, you know what uh, 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 church is? Church, meaning the local church, is basically a, a called out group of people. And someday there's gonna be, uh, there's gonna be an event that hasn't taken place yet that we refer to as the rapture. You might wanna call it the, the catching away or whatever you wanna call it uh, from 1 Thessalonians chapter four. There's gonna come a day when, when all of us that are saved are gonna be, are going to be called out and called up, amen? I'm looking forward to, I hope it's this year, I hope it's 2021. Uh, but you know what church, church attendance is? 
It's rapture practice. You know, rapture practice isn't this thing, you know, jumping up and down and trying to go up. <laughs> rapture practice is coming to church. Why? Because we're called out people. I, I got news for you. Uh, look around. You're going to spend eternity with all these folks. <laughs> you know, the ones that are saved. If you're not saved, you won't. But, uh, uh, but if you're saved, you're going to be spending eternity with them. You know, what, you know what church services are? It's rapture practice. And it's a testimony to the world of, of what is important to us. I've, you know, I've never seen a Christian grow the way that they should grow when they look for excuses to stay home. I just, I just haven't seen it. And what that is in, indicative of is there's not a purpose in the heart. So we need a purpose in our hearts to read God's word daily, to pray daily, to witness, to attend church faithfully, and then last of all, to live a separated life. And that's really what Daniel uh, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. They said, listen, there's, there's just some things we're not going to do. And there's some things we are going to do. And, and you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting because in Daniel's life, it was a plus and a minus. Uh, on the, on the one, one hand, he said, I will not defile myself with the king's meat. That's a, that's a thing he would not do. But then on the other hand, he said, I, I won't go to the king for prayer. I will pray regardless. Doesn't make any difference. And I'll even open up the windows and let all of you see me praying because and he wasn't doing that to brag. He was just saying, listen, this is what, what prayer means to me. This is what my God means to me. And those, those, were, those were, were personal decisions that they made. Uh, you need to make some personal decisions in your personal life. What you will do, what you won't do, what you will look at, what you won't look at, what you will listen to, what you won't listen to. Uh, where you will go, where you won't go, what you will wear, what you won't wear. Uh, those things are, are all uh, things that we ought to purpose in our heart. Take your Bibles, and, and we'll close with this. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans 12. Romans chapter 12, verses, verses 1 and 2. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Beseech means to plead or to beg by the mercies of God. In other words, God's been good to you. That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And that's what these four guys did. They gave themselves to God. Then the second thing, and be not conformed to this world. Why? Because the world is going to try to conform you. They're going to put all kinds of pressure on you to think and act and be like they are. It says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's exactly what happened in Daniel's life. He proved what, it, what was that good and acceptable and perfect will of God in his life because he was transformed rather than conformed. And he went through that whole process because of one thing. He purposed in his heart. How about you? If you're, if you're here this morning and, or you're watching online and you're not saved, 
you know, you need a purpose in your heart, you're gonna get that thing settled. There, there are some folks I'm convinced that have been watching online, there are folks that have come to our church over and over and over again, not saved, and still haven't trusted Christ as Savior. And you need to get down to, to, the, to a, a, the point where you're just gonna purpose in your heart, you're gonna get that thing settled finally and forever and trust Jesus Christ as Savior once you're saved. I just gave you five things. There's a bunch, there's, there's more than five things, trust me, uh, in, in our lives that we need to purpose. But maybe God's dealing with you this morning about something specific. If it's one of these five things, you need to, you need to take care of it. If it's something else, just between you and God, you need to settle it today. The pressure from the outside is not going to stop. In fact, it's ramping up and ramping up and ramping up. And that means our purpose needs to get firmer and stronger in our hearts than it's ever been before. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I'm thankful that I serve a God that's worth serving. I'm thankful that I serve a God who saved me back many years ago. I'm thankful that uh, I've got a God who will go with me when I purpose in my heart to do that which is not convenient, when I purpose in my heart to do that which is right, when I purpose in my heart to do that which uh, may give me some undesirable consequences, but it's doing right doing right, serving you. You're worth it. And our, whatever we purpose this morning in our hearts, whatever you're dealing with God's people about, um, Lord, you will test them. And when we, when we purpose, you know, those purposes will be put to the test. But you'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us during that test. And you'll give us the strength and the grace and the mercy to do that which is right. You did that to Daniel. You did that to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You'll do that for us. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts this morning. If there's someone here under the sound of my voice, whether here or in their homes or wherever it might be, uh, Lord, and they're not saved, may they determine in their hearts they're going to get that thing settled today. And simply... Admit to you that they're a sinner on their way to hell and the only way they can go to heaven is by trusting Christ as Savior. Cry out to you for mercy today and ask you to save their soul, believing on Jesus Christ. Lord, uh, for those that are saved, that you're working on them on something. There's some, something in their lives where the world's putting pressure or their flesh or the devil is putting pressure for them to conform and may they today make today the day that they purpose in their hearts not to defile themselves because they have a God worth serving. Bless this invitation. Please speak to our hearts and as you do, may we say yes to you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand